How's it going? Awesome. Go grab a muffin. Wake up. Um, thanks for the muffins, Jen. If you didn't know that, Jen makes those every morning for her house and then shares some with us. Uh, no, on Sundays, she makes muffins for us, and they're fantastic. So thanks for serving us in that way. If you have a Bible and you want to go to 1 Kings, we're going to uh, look at the conclusion of King David's life. Um, I, was, I was sharing with Danielle kind of what, we're, what I was going to be unpacking today, and she's like, so basically we're having a funeral service for David. It's like, well, I hope it's a little more encouraging and hopeful than uh, than that. But um, nonetheless, um, we're going to look at the legacy of David. And really, um, which we've come to find out is pretty chaotic, right? It's pretty nuts. It's pretty um, discouraging in some ways, but encouraging in some ways. Um, I'll talk about that in in a second. Here's here's what I want you to do. If you have a bulletin... Um, or a piece of paper to write on. Um, I want. I just want you to. St- I want to start with like a really serious question. So I apologize, um, but you don't have to share anything. But uh, all you gotta do is write something down. So here's the question. Um, I don't know how much you think about your legacy. How much you think about uh, the life that you're living and the impact that you're making and and uh, the impact that you want to make. Um, but what I want you to do is I want you to I want you to think about the kind of legacy you you want to leave. And uh, in, a, in a couple words or a couple phrases that, that might d- describe that legacy, I just want you to write it down. Just in, in your bulletin, on a piece of paper, in the margin of your Bible, because it is okay to write in your Bible. In fact, I encourage you to write in your Bible. Um, just, just write down a word or two. Don't be like, oh my gosh, what if, what if I don't know? Or like, if you write the wrong word, like you'll wait around and just be like, that's, that's, not what I, that's not it. But I just want us to begin thinking about that. Um, I think it's interesting when we talk about legacy and we talk about like the meaning of life and um, especially uh, when you're young, you think, I just have so much life to live. Um, And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that as we think about what it means to be people of God, we're making an impact and we're building, we're living a legacy as we're one day going to leave a legacy, right? It's it's a simultaneous thing. Here's the thing is, I hope as, as we've gone through life in chaos and we've, we've looked through so many different stories of David, um, if you've been around church for very long, when you think of David, you, you kind of have this tendency to paint this beautiful picture of David, right? Like this wonderful king who was this nobody, right? He was the shepherd boy in a field and like is like no one's pick and he's called out by God and becomes this prominent man who has this amazing impact over a nation, He's this gifted songwriter, like you think he's like playing the harp on the clouds, and he's this like um, amazing guy who can write music like nobody's business. That music is then authored by the living God and is put in the scriptures with authority and is the foundation for much of the music in the historical church. Um, We see David as this holy man, right? Like a man after God's own heart. And we're in awe of David. But here's Here's what I love about the Bible, um, is that the Bible has no heroes in it but Jesus. Because what we've learned in life in chaos is we've probably, hopefully, in your mind and in your world, brought David down off the pedestal and made us realize that he is no different than you and me. Because he's a pretty messed up guy, right? Um, 
He's a pretty broken man um, who struggles with a lot of things, just like you and I do, who, who struggled with laziness, and that laziness is what actually led him to pervert God's good design for sexuality, he begins to lust after a woman, right? And what does he do? He, he, so he becomes this perversion of God's good design. He becomes a killer. He's a liar. His heart's motivated with much selfishness. I mean, these are all things that you and I wrestle with, right? His family, a couple weeks ago we talked about his family, right? Just a whole bunch of baggage, right? I mean, some of you are, like, ashamed of, like, the stories and the history in your family and, like, if I were to bring you up and be like, tell us about your family, you'd be like, uh-uh. Like, well, we read the scriptures and we're like, oh, well, maybe mine's not so bad. Right? Like we're bringing David down off the pedestal here to show us that he's, he's not a, a special guy other than the fact that he's marked out by God. And he, here's, the, here's what I was wrestling with as I was thinking through this text for this morning. Is if I'm honest, when I look at the life of David, I'm like... There's aspects of who he is. I don't want that to define who I am. There's aspects of what he wrestled with and, and what he struggled with and the sin that was in his life that I, like, I don't want that to be my legacy. Right? Because we want to have this perfect legacy. We want, like, our kids, you know, people years down the road, what are they going to say about us? I don't care who you are. There's, there's going to be good things and there's going to be bad things. There's going to be funny things and there's going to be not funny things, Right? But nonetheless, there's a, there's a legacy. Um, I'm guessing that the words that you wrote down or that you thought of mentally um, weren't probably words like, I want to be known as a lazy person. Right? I want to be known as perverting God's good design. I want to be known as, you know, a liar. Man, my, my dad was a liar. I love that guy. You know, like I, it's just, none of us are thinking that, Right? But yet for David, there was, there was this legacy that he was living, and there was this wrestle, but what marked him out wasn't so much of who he was, but who God was, right? We've talked about that over and over and over again in this series. I've thought about that a lot recently as years down the road. How, how will my kids describe me? How will my church describe me? How will my community describe me and so as we think about this, this legacy, um, let's go, uh, let's look at one passage before we get to the passage in, in 1 Kings. The legacy of David, we see is truly a legacy in chaos, but he, this is in 2 Samuel. Listen to kind of the, the full story um, in just a couple verses, 2 Samuel 7, if you want to put that up there, Jake, uh, 2 Samuel 7, now therefore... Um, thus you shall say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of, of hosts, I took you from the pasture. Okay, so starting from the very beginning, I took you from the pasture, from, the, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people. And I've been with you wherever you went and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. So here's David. David is a nobody. Okay, he becomes somebody, not because he was somebody, because he was known by somebody. All right, so he's this nobody in a pasture. Like, nobody knows him, nobody cares about him, his brothers just spit on him, and he's a nobody. And the reason why he actually becomes somebody wasn't because he became somebody on his own, but because somebody knew him, namely God. Because notice those words in the eighth verse, it says, Thus says the Lord God, I took you from the pasture. I love that. I love that picture that 
God said to David, and he's saying to you and me, I got, I got something for your life. I've got a plan and a purpose for your life. I took you from the pasture. It's crazy because so often I think God has a, a way bigger, better vision for us because some of us are just content with being in the pasture. You know what I mean? Like we're just content with like, because it's just easy to stay where you're at. And I'm sure there's struggles and challenges. You imagine all the struggles and challenges that David endured from his brothers and some of that we talked about. But just to become who God was calling him to become. When he's just like, I just I stay in the pasture. It's just simpler. It's, it's just the simple life. Right? I don't have to deal with all these decisions. And I just got to fight some bears with my hands and chill with my sheep. Yes, skill right there. But God had a plan, right? God had a plan for David's life. Specific, he knew. That's, that's the thing that I want us to hear partly this morning is that don't be so quick to, to plan what you have and what you want and run outside of God saying, I want to take your life and I want to do something with it. And listen, that includes what you love. And that includes what you're passionate about. And that includes the giftings and the why and the, and the way that you've seen success in your life. That includes those things because those are God-given things. And he wants to take you and, and use you. And here, here's the thing that I think makes David special is that he was a guy who was surrendered and willing. He was a guy who, who he deeply, that, that's where the scripture says he was a man for God's own heart. He deeply wanted to honor the Lord, but he still wrestled with, with at times not being surrendered and at times not being willing but he still tried to live this open-handed life where he wanted God to, to work and he wanted God to use him. But let's be clear, his sin made massive impact, right? His sin brought like, so God told David, God was going to give David the, the blessing of building the temple. Do you know that God took that from David because of the fact that he sinned against the Lord and actually gave that charge to Solomon? You read it in the scriptures. It says that David was supposed to build it, but because of all the bloodshed and all the chaos in his life, he, he missed out on that opportunity. Here's what I want you to hear. Your sin will bring massive chaos into your life and family. I think in many ways I want to scare us with that. Okay, I'm, I'm, going, to give a, I'm, going, to, I'm going to give the hopeful side in a second. Um, but I think it's very easy... Um, when we look at the gospel and we see the hopefulness of the gospel and the, the forgiveness of God to think that, that sin can just be okay or that God can just make it right. In the end, yeah, absolutely. God brings forgiveness. God brings healing. But the scripture says the wages of sin is death. Let's just be clear. Whether you're a Christian or not, your sin will always destroy in some capacity. In some capacity. It will always destroy. Now, for the Christian, that's not an eternal destruction. It's not the damnation of our souls, praise God, right? Because we're saved out of that because it fell on Jesus. But even for us as Christians, sin will bring chaos into our lives, chaos into our families, and it will destroy in some capacity. Um, that's the nature of it. That's why the Bible talks so seriously about it. Praise God, he's made a way that we can have freedom from it and find hope and healing in the, the midst of it. Um, so one of my, uh, so there are several, did you guys watch the Olympics? Okay, 
It's, I was like, um, really? Uh, yeah, I know a lot of you, a lot of you did. Um, there's still more muffins back there. Um, so I have a lot of really favorite events. Um, track and field is definitely uh, an awesome event. Usain Bolt is nuts, is he not? Well, I'm not going to talk about him. I just want to mention that. Um, so uh, one, one of the uh, interesting, fun events to watch is the relay. Um, and I don't know if you saw the, uh, the, women's, uh, the women's relay, the 4x100 uh, relay. Uh, so you have Allison Felix uh, there in one of the qualifying races. I think I have a picture of her and her teammate where they drop the baton. They're, um, they're running their race. She's in her lane, and in the exchange, she drops the baton. And uh, they're actually disqualified from the race. And they work so hard, so hard, so hard, so hard, so hard. And in that moment, and, and what's crazy is I was even looking up like all the different techniques, and there's like the overhand exchange and the underhand exchange, and what's called the push exchange, and there's all these different things that they study and they work hard at. And they, you know, have you ever tried to exchange something like, like running full speed and passing it off to somebody else who's running full speed? Like there's so much intensity to that. And, and, and they, they, they drop the baton. Now, there's more to that story. I'm, I'm, some of you know it, but uh, I'm going to get to the end of that story in a second. But David is in a place where he's passing the baton to his son. He's passing the baton to his son, Solomon. And uh, so now, if you have 1 Kings open, it will also be up on the screen, 1 Kings 2. Hear, hear these words. So David's passing the baton to Solomon. Here's what it says. When David's time to die drew near... He commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. And then he's going to give some instructions. He's going to give some charge and some challenges. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke Concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Okay, so I want you to um, picture yourself on your deathbed. <laughs> Just for a second. <laughs> happy thoughts, happy thoughts. Uh, you're laying on your deathbed, your family is, is surrounding you. Okay, what would you say? What would you say to them? What are the words you would say? Would you tell a joke? Would you um, have a serious conversation? Um, so in, in a sense, that's what's happening here. I don't believe David's actually physically like laying in a bed. I don't know for sure. Um, but he's having some final moments with his family, some final moments with his son, and he's passing the baton. He's been passing the baton for all of his life in discipling and raising up his family, but he's passing the baton to Solomon, and there's three things that he says, three, three things that I want to look at for a second. The first one, uh, the, the three are be strong, be a man, and be faithful. Um, so he says be strong. It's the first thing he says is be strong. Um, it's interesting, this idea of strength, there's a whole lot of misconceptions regarding this idea of strength, right? Because we're taught and we believe that strength has a lot to do with not being weak, right? We almost see it like Strong, weak, it's like the opposite, right? But when, like, when you're strong, like there's no weakness or there's no fear. 
or a person that's strong is certain. So if you're going to be strong, you can't ever be uncertain. You can't ever doubt. A person that's strong has the answers. They, they know how to solve the problems. Right? Or they're the person that is the older one in the room that when the younger one is scared, like they run to them, right? Like kids run to their teachers or parents. Kids uh, run to their mom or dad when, when they're scared because mom and dad are strong. They know how to protect and they know how to be safe. They know how to solve problems. This is the problem we have and go to mom, go to dad. They know how to solve it. Well, the thing about David, um, he wasn't the greatest problem solver. We figured that out, right? Right? I mean, how did, how did he solve the problem of being bored on his, on his sofa? He went and found a woman and distorted God's good, deni- good design. How did he solve the problem of that oops? He's like, oh, I'll, I'll trick her husband so that it, it looks like he, it was his baby instead of mine. That didn't work, right? Well, how do you solve the problem of that not working? Well, well, we'll just kill him. But I won't kill him. We'll let the battle kill him because he's a warrior. So uh, you, you see just kind of this cycling out of control. Um, David says to Solomon, be strong. He, the other thing he says is be a man. Um, there's a whole lot of lies around what it means to be a man. Right? All the lies that I just talked about about being strong. Right? That is a man like, you know, you know the answers, you, you're the problem solver, you're the, uh, the, the wise one, there's no weakness, and you're never afraid, and um, all those are lies regarding what it means to actually be a man. Um, power and control, all those are lies regarding what it means to be a man, this sense of dominant leadership and authority in control. Um, don't be taken advantage of. If you're taken advantage of, you bring justice on your own, Right? Um, all these are lies about what it means to be a man. I'll get to the positive side in a second, don't worry. The last one, he says, uh, keep the charge of the Lord your God. Which, I'll just reword to be faithful. Um, I think there's a lot of lies surrounding this idea of faithfulness. Um, as Christians, uh, it's easy. The lie is that faithfulness is first and foremost your priority and your responsibility. Right, that um, you have Jesus who goes to the cross and is faithful to his God, and that, that brings salvation, but then all of a sudden, like, that becomes this side caveat to the actual reality of us being a, a faithful people. Right, we know it's different than that. We know that we're, we walk in faithfulness because of who Jesus was, because David was, or because Jesus was faithful. Um, so if you look back at the passage in verse 3, David begins to unpack a little bit more what he means by these, by these things. Look at verse 3. It says, Walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses. Plain and simple. Here's what David is trying to pass on to Solomon. Is know God's ways and, and seek to obey them. I mean, he's like, Solomon, this is simple. I know it, I didn't make it look simple. <laughs> I know my life didn't always make it look simple, but this is simple. Know God and follow him. Okay, when it comes to strength, when it comes to when he says, be strong, what is strength? We just talked about what it's not. Strength is the idea of being found. It's found in knowing God more than you 
know yourself, more than you know the answers, more than you know, like, bravery. Like, what it means to be strong is the fact that, that I rest secure in a good God who cares for me and watches out for me and loves me, who rescued me through the person and work of Jesus. Like, there's no more strengthening place to be as a person than that. Right? Because there's going to come times when you don't have the answer. There's going to come times when you are afraid, even though you act like you're not afraid. There's going to come times when you don't know what to do. Here's another thing that I think biblical strength means. Admitting weakness. How many of you like to admit weakness? How many like to admit when you're wrong? We don't. We don't. How many like to admit your insecurities? We don't. But there's no more strengthening place to be than admitting those things that gives us the ability to actually walk in the provision of who God is for us where we are lacking, right? That's what Scripture teaches. For when you are weak, He is strong. That's what it means to be strong. As you're, as you're passing the baton, as you're making disciples, as you're investing in those around you, are you investing that type of strength? Right? Women, what does it mean to be strong? Be the strong woman. Where's your identity? All, all these different things that, that the Bible says is found not in who you are, but in whose you are. In the security that you have and that you're known and that you're loved and that you're safe and that you're secure, that's where your strength is. David was never stronger than when he walked in honest repentance. Listen, the world is not telling you that. That where you find strength is when you're walking in honest repentance about where you're at and what you're walking in because it's in that moment you desperately know that your only hope is the strength of God. It's all you got. Because at the end of the day, if all you have is, I work out all the time, I got a really sharp mind, I'm a really strong person, I can go through and endure anything, but your hope isn't in the strengthening power of the Lord in the end, you have nothing. Right? It's like Solomon goes on to say, this life is meaningless. Unless it's lived out and viewed through the lens of Jesus. So let me ask this question regarding passing the baton. Have you dropped the baton and leaving a legacy of what it means to be strong in the Lord? The other one I'll, I'll talk about for a second. He says, be a man. Be a man. Um, don't, women, don't check out. Um, here's the difference between boys and men, regardless of age, okay? Regardless of age. Is boys take and men give. Right? Boys want for themselves, want for themselves, want for themselves. Get for myself. How can I gain all about serving me. How can I get for myself? But men, how can I give of myself? How can I make my life not about me? How can I make my life not about how I'm perceived or how I look, 
but for the betterment of, of others. That's the difference. And that's the challenge because we live in a world that the culture doesn't tell us that. The culture doesn't teach us that. Right? And unfortunately, there's a lot of women in the world that don't hold men to that standard. That they're willing, women are willing to compromise on men who are really boys and believe the lies that they're actually men when they're not. So women, don't, don't let us fail here. I'm not saying it's all on you, but I mean, help boys become men. And don't let men believe that they're men when they're really boys. It's a struggle and it's a challenge. And I believe when, when David was, was communicating to Solomon this idea of be the man that God's called you to be, which is an identity of humility, which is an identity of the fact that my life is built on giving, giving, giving. The last thing he talks about in that passage is um, keep the charge or be faithful. There's another instance of the same type of story or the same story of Solomon in First Chronicles. And here's what it says. It says, um, David saying this to Solomon, And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind. So he uses this, this word whole heart. Now, I don't think there's anybody in here that um, has just a half of a heart physically, right? Um, he says a whole heart, which literally is an undivided heart, which is all that you are is focused on the Lord, right? Now, that's a, that's a process, and that's not always true, right? We saw that in David's chaotic legacy and David's chaotic life. It's allowing God to have your whole heart and everything that you are. That's, that's, that's what David's trying to, that's the baton that David was trying to pass to Solomon. The psalmist puts it this way in Psalm 119.30, I've chosen the way of faithfulness. I set your rules before me. I've chosen the way of faithfulness. Do you know that being faithful is a choice? That I believe is empowered by God. I believe is helped by God. I believe is foundationally set by the faithfulness of Jesus that then propels us into a life that makes us decide, are we going to live based on that faithfulness or are we going to do whatever we want? And so I just want to remind us this morning that there's a real struggle in this world and there's a real struggle in our lives to to press into what it means to be faithful. And I don't know if you're here, but at times I'm there where I just want to quit. I just want to stop being faithful. Being faithful is hard work. Right? But that's where we're reminded our strength is in the Lord. Our identity is not in what we can get for ourselves, but what we can give of ourselves because that's the identity of Jesus in the gospel. Have you dropped the baton regarding the faithfulness of God, of being faithful, of, of living out a life that says, I'm going I'm to walk out my life based on the fact that God's empowered me with his Faithfulness. You can imagine David is having these, all these conversations with Solomon. I would imagine there's some exchange back and forth um, in this text that, that we don't see. And you can imagine David saying to Solomon, you, you've witnessed a ton of chaos in my life. He's on his deathbed. He's, you've witnessed a ton of, of chaos. 
I wasn't always a good dad. I wasn't always the leader I was supposed to be. I often failed, and I don't want you to do that. Are you par- any parents in here that have ever had this type of conversation with their kids, and you're not even on your deathbed? You're just like, can I tell you a story about how I just absolutely blew it, and like, I don't want you to go through this, right? We've had these conversations. We've thought about these things because our heart, listen, the heart of legacy leavers is one that wants to see people prosper, right? Not that wants to see people fail, not that wants to see, and and how do we empower a legacy that doesn't fail? We empower a legacy of a faithful God in the midst of our unfaithfulness, a faithful God in the midst of our unfaithfulness. Then look at at verse 4. And here's where I think it gets even deeper. And I'll probably step on our toes even a little bit more. That the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me. So David is still talking to Solomon. And that's his challenge and that's his charge and that's his prayer. That the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning me. Saying, if your sons pay close attention to their way. To walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul. You shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. So, so David is trying to, to communicate to Solomon the value of who God is, the value of God's word. Now, I mean, this isn't news. We live in a time where the voice of God and the words of God are kind of like, take them or leave them. Most people are like, leave them. We got Bibles. We can read them when we want or if we need to or if we like, don't know what to do, Right? You ever been there? Maybe you're there. Okay. What does God think? What does the creator God have to say? Like we're, are we beginning to not care about those questions? What does the scripture have to say? David is passing the baton to his son. And he deeply wanted his son to cling to the truthfulness of who God is. Because David truly was a man after God's own heart. He deeply wanted his son to realize who God is. This treasure that, that we have available to us to know God. And the crazy thing is, is that in the midst of the struggles of our life, in the midst of the despair that we face, in the midst of the uncertainty that we face, so often our tendency is to run to other things than to actually find hope and healing and and relationship in the words and the promises of God. Like when you're struggling and you go to the scriptures, listen, it's life-giving. How many of you have experienced that? Like when you don't know what to do, and you go to the scriptures, you still might not know what to do. But what you're reminded of is there's a God. And it's not you. And that's good news. So stop trying to be that God. And rest in the fact that you're secure in him. This is the legacy that David wanted to leave for Solomon. To trust in the word of God And that where he didn't brought all the more chaos into his life. Psalm 119, 25 says, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word. 
Can I challenge you with something? If you've struggled to find life in the Word of God, I would encourage you to go back to the Scriptures and read the Scriptures. Read Psalm 119 and ask God to show you that that's true. Because some of you are here and you're, like, you're wrestling with, like, I've read the Bible before, like, I'm just kind of bored. Confess that to the Lord, because if, if Psalm 119.25 is true, give me life according to your word, that this is actually a book that's alive, not because it's like ancient, but because it points us to who God is. And then God wants to reveal himself through his word. Listen to how the psalmist writes it in Psalm 19. And see if you can resonate with this at all. It says this, The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. We don't think of laws as perfect because our laws are built by, are made by sinful human beings, right? And we're like, they bind us. But the truthfulness is that, that God's ways and God's laws are perfect because they're made by a perfect God. And they actually bring life and revival to our hearts because they, they set us up to live in the means by which, in the way by which he designed us to live. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Some of you are like, yeah, the only enlightening of eyes I see is when I tell my kid to do something, and they're like, oh my gosh. The fear of the Lord is clean. What a cool thought. The fear of the Lord is clean. Enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, in keeping them there is great reward. Let me ask this question. How are you growing as a disciple to know and treasure the words of God? Growing. Does that mean you're there? Even if you're here, how are you growing How are you taking strides to realize there's life here? Which might include admitting that you don't believe there's life there. When do you read it? When do you meditate on it? I have a friend. uh, He refers to his quiet time as uh, his slot and spot. Like in my slot and spot the other day. Which basically simply means my time and my place. He's like, encourage you to have a slot and spot. This is my time. This is when I submit myself to the truthfulness of God's word. And this is where. How are you doing with that? Or where have you dropped the baton in what it means to treasure God's word? Because we're not going to do very good at passing it. if We don't have it, right? So the story continues, if you, if you don't know it, um, the, the women runners, Alice and Felix, so they drop the baton and throw that other picture up. She made the brilliant decision to go back and pick it up. So she goes back and she picks it up. And she finishes, they finish the race, which was a game changer. You know why? Because if they don't finish the race... They can't protest because what happened was is that she's running in her lane and right as she's getting ready to pass the baton, what happened? 
The girl next to her crosses the line and bumps her, which caused the baton to fall out of her hand into the ground. So they, she picked up the baton. It wasn't even her fault. They protested it. They let him rerun it. They went on to win gold. Right? Now, now we, can, we can give all kinds of excuses, right? As to why we dropped the baton um, in, in any of these areas we've talked about. We can blame whoever we want, right? And we could probably warrant the blame in some regard. But nonetheless, we have a responsibility, right? To admit, just like she did. She, she, they, she went and picked it up. And she's like, we're going we're gonna to finish this. We're going to be dead last, but we're going to finish this. And what we're going to find is we're going to find at the end of it a, a faithful God that we're going to admit as God's people. And I've dropped the baton in regards to treasuring God's word, in, in regards to passing that on to the next generation. I've dropped the baton in what it means to, to build a generation that's strong, not physically or visually, but spiritually in who God has made you to be. And so I just want to, as we uh, prepare to respond, I just want to invite us into this reality of what does it look like for us to be a people who aren't perfect? We know what that's like, right? But who are willing and able to fight for picking up where we make mistakes and to continue on in passing the baton to the next generation and believing that there's a God who's worthy for us to press into, but worthy for us to give the truthfulness of who he is to those that are surrounding us. Uh, Let's pray and let's prepare to respond to the Lord. Father, this morning, would you enable us to finish our race? God, even if we're here in this room and we're just getting started, would you enable us to admit where we've made mistakes? Would you enable us to admit where we've dropped the baton and are failing, but recognize that you are a faithful, loving, giving God? God, thank you for the strength that we have in you. Thank you for the power and the provision that we have in you. And I pray this morning that you would lead us, that you would work in us, that you would convict us. God, that you would burn a passion in our hearts to be disciples who make disciples and raise up the next generation around us to be lovers of you and treasurers of your word. God, thanks for your word. In Jesus' name, amen.